This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. Don't miss an episode. Subscribe today. The Big Interview, intriguing lives, remarkable careers, and gripping stories. I'm Sonal Rupani, alongside Chris McCarty and Robbie Greenfield. Chris Gardner is the subject of our big interview. He is an American businessman. He's a motivational speaker. He's a philanthropist. He's the author of several best-selling books. And his 2006 memoir, part life story, part inspirational self-help guide, is entitled The Pursuit of Happiness. It's described by Google Books as an outstanding yet true rags-to-riches saga of a homeless father who raised and cared for his son on the mean streets of San Francisco and went on to become a crown prince of Wall Street. He then penned Start Where You Are, Life Lessons in Getting from Where You Are to Where You Want to Be. That was back in 2009, In Pursuit of Purpose in 2016. And this year, he's got a new book out, Permission to Dream is the title of that new book. And one thing you learned very quickly, Robert, is he loves the name Robbie. He does. He's, he used my name and I have to apologise because it was just too much to edit it all out. He must have called me Robbie 74 <laughs> times during this interview. His laugh is, is a joy to behold. Um, it's a deep bass laugh and it's just it's fantastic. It's infectious. And listen, he, his life story is, is very well documented. It's fair to say he didn't really want to drill down into that life story. Okay. What he does have for us is some good, solid self-help advice and i know you roll your eyes when we talk self-help Sometimes. chris but i think you're going to enjoy okay. mr chris gardner did this conversation make you rethink your approach to life um no <laughs> how much how much did it move you it, it made me feel that i need to rethink my approach <laughs> okay. to life right we're okay. at that gate now okay uh now of course pursuit of happiness many of you will know was made into a motion picture starring will smith who played chris gardner himself and here's a little clip of that film Man, I got two questions for you. What do you do and how do you do it? <laughs> I'm a stockbroker. Stockbroker? Oh, Had to go to college to be a stockbroker, huh? You don't have to. Had to be good with numbers and good with people. That's it. Hey, you take care. Hey, I'm going to let you hang on to my car for the weekend, but I need it back for Monday. Feed the meter. <laughs> Now, in that clip, Chris Gardner, played by Will Smith, meets a well-dressed man getting out of a convertible Ferrari and just says, what do you do? And from that point on, and this, is, this really happened, Gardner set his sights on becoming a successful stockbroker. And that movie details the one year in his life, a very turbulent year, but there's a lot more to the story. And I do want to kind of give a bit of a backstory because Chris doesn't really dwell on that in the interview. But he's a native of Milwaukee. He went to the Navy. He ended up in San Francisco. He was pursuing a career originally in medicine. He was considered a prodigy in scientific research. But because of the need to earn money for his young family, he set his sights instead on the very competitive world of finance. And whilst landing a position at a firm, he actually was struggling. He was having some serious money troubles and ultimately ended up being homeless and caring for his baby son whilst working for a brokerage called Dean Witter Reynolds. Now, he famously set himself a target to make 200 calls per day. And in 1982, he passed a Series 7 exam to become a full employee of the firm. He was then recruited by Bear Stearns. And ultimately, he ended up launching his own company in 1987, Gardner Rich & Co. in Chicago. He became the CEO and founder of Christopher Gardner International Holdings with offices in New York, Chicago and San Francisco in 2006, right around the time he was writing his memoir, 
This is from a man who was at one point in time homeless. And in 2002, he was given the Father of the Year Award from NFI. But that's National what I was told. Father's Institute. Quite that, there guess. you go. But listen, Chris did have a very interesting aside when discussing the merits of his book, A Pursuit of Happiness, and he dropped a bizarre bombshell about his future home. The UAE is someplace that one day, hopefully, I'll be able to call home. I've got family and friends in Sharjah, and I'm looking forward to coming home soon. Uh, let me say this. A lot of folks saw the film. As a matter of fact, Sony tells me that one billion people all around the world saw the film, The Pursuit of Happiness. The film did, in fact, become the first American film ever shown in China. But my point, Robbie, is this. More importantly, the film was about one year of my life. The book, The Pursuit of Happiness, talks about all the years prior to the year depicted in the film. And the reason I'm really sharing all of that, Robbie, is to say I'm so happy that last year Kalimat published my first book, The Pursuit of Happiness, in Arabic for the very first time. So he's moving to Sharjah. <laughs> yeah, which took me aback. <laughs> that took me flat aback, I must I, say. I, I, did you tell him about the traffic? I, I, did, I did mention that it was an issue. He's I said, problems. you're going to crop up. You're going to need to listen to Sonal Rapani's traffic reports. <laughs> um, but yeah, listen, I, I, wanted to kind of, I wanted to kind of unpick how he got from where he started to, to where he ended up. And uh, particularly when, you know, a lot of us make different choices. And it's very rare as well for individuals who, who had that sort of very disadvantageous background, living homeless, struggling for money. Not many of them end up the CEO of their own company. So what was different about him than all the people who don't make those smart choices in life and who don't succeed like he has? And he had this to say. I had a mother, Robbie, who told me every day, son, you can do or be anything. And I believed it. I absolutely believed it. It's also very important, Robbie, I share with you what she did not say. She did not say that you could have anything. She did not say that you could buy anything. She did not say that you're guaranteed, assured, owed, or entitled to anything. She said you could do or be anything. And Robbie, for me, that was permission to dream. And let me just add one more interesting fact here about this idea of going the other way. Oprah Winfrey and I are the same age, same zodiac sign, and went to the same elementary school. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> Went to the same elementary school, meaning it can be done. It's been done before. But where we are right now, one of the most important things I'm doing is trying to help people see and recognize and embrace their power that you can do this. It can be done. I've got to say, Rob, this is a heck of a drinking game interview. Anytime that Chris Gardner <laughs> says, Robbie, drink. I love okay. the way he says it too. It's that American drawl of Robbie. Robbie. Yeah, yeah you'll hear that. I have to say, there's a lot of those in there. But uh, I wanted to know how he stayed positive through the tough times. He said it was all about taking baby steps every single day. He said strides apparently are what we take when there are no obstacles in our way. Baby steps navigate us through tough times. How do you map out your path in life, particularly when it comes to your career? Chris tells me about two fundamental questions, two questions you've got to ask yourself when you look in the mirror. Number one, if I could walk through a door tomorrow and be anything, what would it be? 
He said you should engage all your senses to reach an answer. And it's okay if that answer changes over time. Question number two, the follow-up question is, what did I do today to make tomorrow happen? That's the crucial one. Uh, Have I moved the dial forward? Have I taken a baby step towards whatever it is I've got my heart set on? It's cheesy, but that's the phrase that he used. Have I taken a step forward? Have I taken a baby step? And I wanted to get Chris to share how this blueprint worked for him. How did he formulate a plan? He met that guy in the red Ferrari, found out he was a stockbroker. That was a light bulb moment. What did he do next? I made up my mind. I was going to become world-class at whatever I did with my life. As a young man, my first ambition in life was I wanted to become Miles Davis. I did not want to be a trumpet player or a jazz artist. I wanted to become Miles. But I had to accept at a certain point, Robbie, man, at 18 years of age, Miles Davis was in New York City playing with Quincy Jones and Dizzy Gillespie. At the same age, I was in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, playing with some boys named Pookie and Ray Wright. <laughs> Robbie, it wasn't going to happen. But it was also about this time I heard Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. speak one night. As a matter of fact, it was the last speech he ever gave in his life. He was speaking to garbage men in Memphis, Tennessee. And his message to those men that night was, whatever you're going to do with your life, you should seek to become the best at it. I believe his exact words, Robbie, were, if you're going to be a garbage man, you should seek to become the best garbage man and sweep streets like Shakespeare wrote poetry. And right there, Robbie, that was the turning point. I made the second most important decision I ever made in my life, which was I'm going to become world-class at whatever I do with my life. Not good at it, not pretty good at it, but world-class at it. What was the most important decision you made in your life, Chris? I made it as a five-year-old boy. Growing up without a father, I made the decision, this will never happen to my child. The singly most important decision I've ever made in my life was that decision. When I grow up, become a man and have children, my children are going to know who their father is. Because, Robbie, that decision didn't just change my life. That decision had generational impact. That decision changed the lives of my yet-to-have-been-born children and my grandchild. That one decision, and I made it as a five-year-old boy can relate to that in more ways than one listening to that from Chris Gardner powerful stuff and if you are playing the bingo Robbie game oh yo yo yeah well there you go there's been quite a few and there's going to be quite a few more to follow <laughs> I but think there was about five in that two minute it. segment loving Pookie and Ray Ray yes, yeah, of course. I'd love to track laugh. them down that, that laugh, laugh. Yeah, right. you're going to hear that a few more times <laughs> as well as, as we contemplate our future or make plans I speak for myself I probably speak for a few others it's pretty hard sometimes to have conviction in what we're thinking I for one I'm pretty confused about most big picture stuff. <laughs> so I... How did Chris gain such clarity of thought? And I mean, Gardner, not McCarty. <laughs> and I wanted to know, what does world class mean to him? How did he interpret that promise he made to himself? Let's define world class and keep it simple. Right now, for all of your listeners, right now in whatever business or industry that you're in, there's a conversation going on and the question has come up. Who's the best in the business? If you're world-class, somebody will say your name. Same conversation, same question. Who's the best in the business? If nobody says your name, then you've got work to do. 
Same conversation, same question. Who's the best in the business? If nobody says your name and you don't care, get out of the business. You'll never be any good. But the validation, Robbie, the ultimate validation in that scenario, when that question comes up, who's the best in the business, the ultimate validation is when someone who does not like you says your name. When the people who would not take your phone calls are now hoping that you'll return their calls. When the folks who would not hire you yesterday cannot afford you today. <laughs> That's when you know, Robbie. But you know when I knew? Let me tell you when I knew. I don't, but I'm working on it every single day, Robbie. I'm grinding every single day. Chris, there must have been a moment where you're like, okay, Will Smith's going to play me in a movie. I think I've made it. Man, that moment happened before <laughs> anything close to a movie. That moment happened. Let me tell you, one day, now, and this is just me and you talking, and I'm, I guess I'm maybe being too open, but one day I sat at my desk, Robbie, and me and my firm, traded 1% of all the stock on the New York Stock Exchange. <laughs> Robbie, 1% of all the stock that traded on the New York Stock Exchange that day came through my phone. Wow. That had nothing to do with Will Smith or a movie. Look at you, Robbie. <laughs> Whoa. Look at you. <laughs> Love it. I tell you what, though. What a powerful. Yeah, brilliant, yeah. isn't it? Especially what he said there about, you know, being the best and pointing out that if you don't care, oh, yeah. look at doing something else. Yeah. And listen, we've said so, no. It's not just maybe one thing. There's there's a number of things yeah. that, that when you think about your dream future, you, you could go down several different paths and you could say equally happy with any of them. I wanted to get more insight into this this process of identifying that one passion. It's something that a lot of people do struggle with to feel a certain way so fiercely about something um, that you just a lot of people just don't have that kind of connection with their career choice. What does Chris say to those people? Goes back to those two questions. Look in that mirror and ask yourself if I could only do a walk through a door tomorrow and be doing one thing, what would it be? Nobody knows the answer to that, Robbie, and there's no right or wrong answers. Okay? The answers are the ones that you choose to live with, right? You're not being judged. No one's judging you. But I will say this, man, for me, I wasn't just passionate about what I wanted to do, meaning become world class at something. I was real clear on what it was going to take. And what it was going to take is something I call the C5 complex, meaning you've got to have a plan A. Not plan B. Just a few examples. I'm talking to you right now from Chicago, okay? Just a few people in Chicago who had plan A's that executed. Michael Jordan has got six NBA championship rings because he was committed to plan A, not plan B. Oprah Winfrey became the queen of all media because she was committed to plan A, not plan B. Barack Obama served two terms as president of the United States because he was committed to plan A, not plan B. Plan B sucks. <laughs> Robbie, if plan B was any good, it'd be plan A. 
<laughs> plan B distracts from plan A. <laughs> no, man, you got to have a plan A, and it's got to be that thing that gets you so excited, Robbie. The sun cannot come up soon enough in the morning because you want to go and do your thing. Everybody else is not going to see it. That's one of the challenges that a lot of us have in pursuing our dreams and passions. We're waiting for it, looking for it, needing external validation for somebody else to see it. Everyone else is not going to see the vision that you have for you, yourself, your future, or your family. Even people close to you, Robbie, sometimes they can't see it. But as long as you see it with the eyes of your soul, that's what matters. Now, that thing you said about knowing your vision, we're living in a time where people, they live their lives on social media. They live their lives like an open wound, to quote Ricky Gervais. And never has what other people think seemingly been more mm. important. What is Chris's message to those for whom the validation of others has become the overriding quest? When you look in the mirror, Robbie, that person heard everything that you said you were going to do but then they saw everything that you did. That's the one like that should be your objective every day. Everybody's of the likes, the social media, the one like you need and must have every day is the one you get when you look in the mirror and ask yourself, did I take one baby step towards what it is I say I want to do, towards who it is I say I want to become? That's the only like that you need that day, period. If I was to say to you, I'm going to beat up myself now because I've just had a week where I haven't been taking those baby steps. Now, you don't want to get down on yourself. You don't want to get negative. So what's the message to people who've kind of fallen off the wagon, if you like? Well, you've got to be honest with yourself and just say, okay, man, that didn't go too good. But ask yourself, why? What was my role? And what can I do differently? Robbie. When I was where I was at my lowest point, living in that train station with my baby tied on my back, major difference between reality and the film. In the film, Jaden Smith plays my son as a five-year-old. In reality, at this point in our journey, my son was 14 months old. He was still in diapers. And I had to wash my little boy up every day, going back to that mirror again. I had to look in the mirror in the washroom and ask myself every day, Robbie, why did this happen? Why did that happen? What's going to happen next? But the hardest question I had to ask and answer every day, Robbie, was how did I get here? And the answer was brutal. The answer was I drove here. I had something to do with the situations and circumstances that had become my life. But the second I said it, Robbie, I knew that's the key. Because if I drove here, then I could drive out of here. My point is, you can't change something until you own it. You got to take that power. You got to own it. And I know a lot of people right now are saying, well, I didn't choose this. No, none of us did. But you can change it. But the first step to changing anything is ownership. You got to take agency. You got to be in charge of how you deal with present circumstances and Stop beating up on yourself so much. You know what? There are people out there that'll beat you up for free. <laughs> <laughs> Robbie, 
<laughs> and you know what I'm talking about, man. They will beat you up all day for free because that's what they like to do. That is you, the voice. You must have heard about fighting fit. <laughs> <laughs> Chris Gardner. My goodness, we love the fact that, of course, radio is free to all. We would make a killing if you had to pay a certain fee to listen to this. This is golden. Now, uh, he uses the phrase baby steps an awful lot, and he's all about the journey. I am one of these people, and I, I, I hope I speak for a lot of other people, when I say I get a little caught up in the destination, <laughs> especially when it's something short term. You know, you do something like a marathon or something like that. You focus on that, and then there's this big come down, isn't there? Because yeah, you've done it, and yeah. then you, you don't really know what to do. You're you're a bit listless. You're you're at a, a kind of like an impasse. And um, how does one focus on the journey when it's tempting to view the goals and the paths as resulting in an end point? How do people prone to resting on their laurels break that cycle? You stay on the road, brother. You stay on the journey to the dream. That's a big part of what we talk about in the new book, Permission to Dream. There's no exit ramp for happiness, right? You stay on the road. And Robbie, you know, it's the, the journey is all we got, man. The journey is all we got. Of all the things 2020 taught us, the one thing that is undeniable is that none of us knows how much time we got left on the clock. None of us knows. Enjoy the journey because you might be getting off this road before you realize it. So with that rather sobering thought in mind, <laughs> I want to explore this concept of happiness. Is it the same as contentment? Why do we get sucked into pursuing superficial pleasures over something deeper and with greater purpose? Because purpose is harder. I'll never forget the words of my dear, dear, dear friend, Dr. Maya Angelou. We were once speaking about struggle and she said to me, we have the people for this mountain. And we must all be mindful that there are people who came up a steeper side of this mountain, carrying a bigger to heavier load with little to no opportunity, but they kept going forward, onward, and upward. And still I rise. This has been done before, Robbie, but now it's our turn. So he's a poet as well. He's a poet. I wasn't expecting that answer, but that was the answer he gave me. And I did ask Chris what the greatest challenge was facing young people today. He spoke about the pandemic, the unprecedented situation where in many circumstances, young people whose lives are developing at such a rapid rate have had to have them placed on pause. And he did talk about the mental health issues that have become prevalent in America and, and throughout the rest of the world. But unsurprisingly, ultimately, his outlook is a positive one. Let's go back 20 years, Robbie. If you were born in the year 2000, that means you were conceived in 1999. That storm of 1999. A lot of people don't remember it, but Robbie, you were here. Remember Y2K? Yeah. Right? <laughs> we all thought the world was going to end, right? Everything that used technology to function was going to fail. Uh, Computers were going to crash. The banks were going to collapse. Everything was going to fail. My point is, the children born in the year 2000 were conceived in that storm of 1999. If you fast forward on that timeline just one year, on that timeline, just as those children were learning how to walk, what happened? 9-11. Fast forward seven years, what happens? Global financial crises. Fast forward 12 years, what happens? 
politics, polarization, and a pandemic. What's the one constant in that timeline, Robbie? Is change. Big, dramatic, frightening change. And I will submit to you, I've seen it all over the world. There's never been a generation better prepared to embrace, create, or demand change than this generation coming up right now. We just got to make sure that they know they got the power and it can be done. Chris Gardner, you can keep your Tony Robbins, you can keep your <laughs> Gary Vaynerchuk, you don't need them, I don't want them in my life, give me Chris in my life He please. did say, if you do want to go out and buy his books, don't use Amazon, Jeff Bezos has got enough money as it is, he? he said go to your local bookstore, Love support this. local businesses, and but do go out and buy his books, essentially <laughs> was the underlining message of that. His book Permission to Dream is out now, it was published this year, a massive thanks to Chris for sparing his time, and I guess... We'll see him in Sharjah. Thank you for listening. And if you've enjoyed this episode, we'd love it if you could subscribe, rate, and give us a review. This podcast was presented by Chris McCarty, Sonal Rupani, and Robbie Greenfield, and produced by Tom Paul Smith. We hope you join us next time on The Big Interview.